Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rotman Podcast, powered by the Entertainment and Media Association here at the Rotman School of Management. My name is Joseph Smith, and I'm here with Rini Sharma. Hello, everyone. And today we have a very special episode for you. So today's episode is going to be our transition episode where we officially hand the reins over to Benjamin Castle and Aaron Tutsumoto, our incoming hosts for the 2020-2021 academic year. Thanks so much for the intro team and thank you for starting this podcast. I'm so excited to take over the reins this year. I have lots of ambitious plans for it and my enthusiasm about the Entertainment and Media Association got me to start thinking about this podcast and now we actually get to decide where we want to take it from here. Erin? Yeah, hello. I'm also extremely excited to take over the reins and really thankful to Joe and Rini here for building such a great foundation for us to get started. Well, let's go ahead and start asking a couple questions from our very special guests. In terms of our listeners who are in the Entertainment Media Association already, we wanted to ask you a question about specifically the Canadian media industry and what excites you about it most right now. So I think there's a lot going on in the world right now and everything is changing. The way we're consuming goods to the way we're consuming content and the media industry has been one of the industries that has been thriving in this time, especially because we can't go out and we need a lot of entertainment. What I'm excited to see in the next coming years for Canada is how the production process changes. With COVID-19 and you know all the social distancing measures that are needed at this point, a lot of productions have gone into a pause, but they're starting to get back into production process, but while making sure that they don't have as many people on the set. So this depopulating the set is what might actually change how content is produced in the future. Right now, there are thousands of people hired on each production, and a lot of them are super talented, but they don't even get to do what they're skilled at. And they're just, you know, picking up coffee or like doing errands, trying to break it in. What I'm excited to see is how technology, so the tech boom that we have in Toronto right now, how that is combined with the media industry to automate some of these tasks that, you know, you don't really need somebody who's like really good at camera to do, but also making room for key talent to actually do the things that they're supposed to be doing and growing the industry. So in my opinion, that would mean smaller production budgets, but a lot more content and a lot more stimulus to talent. And yeah, that's that's super exciting in my opinion. Yeah, that is really exciting. Joe, do you have a take on this? Yeah, I'm excited for two things. Firstly, with specifically the Canadian media industry, I'm very excited for more representation in the programming that's coming in the future. I think the CBC is working toward this, but to do more programming with people of different backgrounds that showcases different cultures and people who don't all look the same or don't come from traditional backgrounds that are commonly in the media. And so I'm really excited to see a new wave of programming that showcases people from all around the world and is more representative of the city that we live in, especially in Toronto and further afield and society at large. I think that's a big thing that I'm excited for. 
And then more broadly, I'm actually really excited for the streaming platforms and the power that they are having. And since the popularity of platforms like Netflix and Spotify, and with Spotify, for example, I think there's going to be a new era of podcasts coming in. There's investing heavily in podcasting and recently paid $100 million for Joe Rogan's podcast for exclusive rights to content like that. And the good thing about the business model of streaming platforms is that they try and keep eyes on their platform or ears on their platform by producing fantastic content. And they're not serviced by ads. And so when you are serviced by ads, which the traditional networks are, you end up trying to go for sensationalism, to try and catastrophize, and often it just goes into a downward spiral of just pretty poor content to try and service ads. And when the business model is aligned with the viewers and uh, you end up having things like HBO, which are producing incredible content and incredible TV, we're in a golden era of TV right now. And I think it's only going to get better because the business models are aligned with the viewers. And I'm really excited for that. Yeah, and it's, it's especially relevant right now. I think the diversity initiatives going on across the board in the media are just really exciting, especially here in Canada. So... Moving on to your very own podcast in terms of media choices, which episode from season one was your favorite to record and why? I can jump in on that one because in terms of diversity and backgrounds, for me, it was the holiday special. And I had an absolute blast recording all of those sessions because I sat in the Nexus office, gratefully donated their time for me to use that. And just had people come in, which seems a very strange thing to do in the situation that we're in now, but had people come in and sit across the table from me and we just talked about what their holiday traditions were like. And I think every family has their own quirks when it comes to holiday traditions, cultural festivals and cultural traditions. And so for me to be able to sit there and get insight into that, I learned about Ecuadorian, Russian, Germanic Christmases, Peruvian Christmases, learned about Indian festivals and had an absolute blast recording that and listening to people tell about their stories along the way. And by the end of that, I'd done five or so, five or six back to back. And I was in such a good mood that I was just pretty much hysterically laughing at what anyone told me. So the stories got, the stories seemed to get a bit wackier and I just also got wackier. So I think Adam, the editor, did a fantastic job of mashing a lot of those up together and it came out sounding really good and had an absolute blast doing that. Wow. Sounds like podcasting is just a party. Can't huh? <laughs> <Damn> be. <laughs> I think for me, I, I can't just name one, but I would say I really enjoyed doing all the episodes with you know our classmates from the class of 2020. So whether it was Garang or Sam, it was just like, it felt really casual and it felt like we were just chatting. So I think in terms of enjoying the process, those were some of my favorite episodes. And there's also so much to learn from you know people that you're going to school with. Like You never actually get down to asking them about their stories and where they're coming from. And I think we got to do that through these episodes. Another one that I would say is my top favorite, and I was just telling Joe that it's such a crazy coincidence that we started this year with Tiff Macklem and him talking about crisis. And then there's 2020, and it's literally, that's the theme of the year. <laughs> Nothing but crises. <laughs> Nothing but crisis. So I think that was a really good note to start the year with, and now Tiff is leading the Bank of Canada. And, you know, if you go back and listen to that podcast, there's a lot of learnings there that you would apply to the scenario that we're in today. So I would highly recommend that to anybody who's having a difficult time navigating through the economic side effects of the pandemic. 
Yeah, in terms of that, also, I know that a lot of people's professional trajectories have been sort of derailed recently. And I wanted to ask for our listeners who might be interested in your personal stories, what comes next for both of you? And has the COVID crisis uh, affected you or your professional trajectories at all? Yeah, um, for me personally, I see this as my first big post-MBA challenge is to navigate this economy and try and find a really good opportunity for myself. And I think Rotman has equipped me really well for it. You know, I came here with a background in media and communications, and then I was converted and I got really interested in finance, and that's what I want to pursue. It's going to be a long journey. I know I have months of work ahead of me. The economy has to stabilize before any of it happens. But what I'm excited to do with my skill set and looking at the long run, with everything that's happening this year, I think I've become more aware about where I want to invest my skills and resources. And that would be, you know, caring a little bit more about the environment, caring a little bit more about marginalized communities and really thinking about the practices as somebody working with a company, with a business, think about how every little thing you do impacts people in your local communities, people all around the world. And are you actually giving back to them? So if I am working in the finance industry, I think one thing I want to do is to try and invest in those sectors so that we can actually rectify some of the mistakes we've been making in the last couple of decades. Because I think more than ever, Mother Nature and Earth is like calling out and screaming for us to be paying attention to these things. Very true. Joe, how about you? I am incredibly fortunate because I have a role that I'll be stepping into beginning in July, and that is a management consulting role. So I'm very fortunate and very grateful to have that role and to have it beginning in July and not have been pushed back. I'm very, very fortunate in that. I did not think that I was going to be going into consulting during my MBA career and the opportunity arose and I could not turn it down. I started early in March and worked for the month of March and that enabled me to get to know the team and really to hit the ground running when I do start in July. I'm incredibly grateful and really, really excited to get going on that. And in another professional capacity, I'm actually working with a nonprofit called Million Peacemakers as well. And this is a nonprofit that has a conflict resolution tool called Nonflict. And the founder and his co-founder wrote a book called Nonflict, which is the art of everyday peacemaking. And I think it's more important now than ever. And so there's a, doing a little bit of work with them and have been incredibly sort of humbled at the passion that people drive this forward with and to see that this is something that people do in their own time. They have jobs and they have other roles and they are still putting in time and the volunteer work to make something and to push forward a cause that they're really passionate about. So this is, it's been great opportunity working with them and to work with a different group of people that I wouldn't usually get the opportunity to. And there is also now an Alexa tool that you can go through the non-flicked method on Alexa. So if you, if you wanted to call that out, I think that's going to be available soon. You can install that. And so, yeah, there's a lot of exciting things happening there. And then, cool. uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's, that's a good thing. And I was honestly inspired to get into nonprofit work by Numan Ashraf during the Leading Social Innovation course. I think there's a lot more that we can be doing with our lives. And when you think about the purpose that you want to be organizing your life around, I think there's more than just the professional capacity. So that's when I started to look for ways to get involved and give back to the, my community. And I think this is the one of the ways that I've found to do that. Yeah, that's, that's amazing work. I guess one of the ways that 
some people can build on their professional careers outside of work is with a podcast. And I've had a lot of people who have come up to me recently asking, you know, how do you start a podcast? What is podcasting about? Do you have any advice to people who are trying to start podcasts of their own? Because uh, it's not every day that you start a successful podcast like yours. And I think you might have something to add here. Yeah, I have some advice for people looking to start a podcast. And that is that the best time to start a podcast was 10 years ago when (laughs) no one was doing it. But the second best time to start is right now. And don't underestimate the extent to which your experiences and your insights, your thoughts, your opinions, and your voice can amplify and influence other people's thinking. I think that by sharing your voice, going out and doing it, you can turn on lights for other people. And I really think that there's nothing better to do than that. You can start a podcast for 50 to $100. You can really get started doing that. And it requires no technical expertise. And the act of starting something and then following through with it on a regular basis and also the act of public speaking are both incredible skills to develop. And you'll never be more motivated to get rid of the verbal tics that you have than when you're listening back to the episodes that you've just recorded and you realize that you stumble over words or you say, uh, or you have something where you say, you know, at the end of every sentence and you'll never notice that more. And then when you have to listen to yourself, Five times <laughs> while you're trying to figure out and get down that sentence as you edit your first episode. I feel that pain. Yes. <laughs> and so my final bit of advice is don't wait for permission. Go out and do it. Wow, that's great advice. And uh, from Rini? I don't know. I think you summed it up pretty well. I think it's really important to have a plan when you're trying to start something new because it is a lot of work. It's great if you're passionate about what you're talking about and that sort of flows. But even so, I think it's important to maintain consistency for your audience. And so knowing your audience, making sure you're accountable, you're delivering, you're being consistent with your schedules. I think those are some of the more important factors. And it doesn't matter if every episode is as interesting as the previous one. But just being active at all times and maintaining your sure it's what's the most important to me and i will say that with regards to it requires no technical expertise it's one of the few things that are available right now that has infinite leverage that you can get in on the ground floor of very very easily when i say infinite leverage i mean that you can reproduce an episode of a podcast for like the next the marginal cost of producing another podcast is zero and the marginal cost of an extra listener is zero. So once you've made it and you've produced it, you can give that, a million people could listen to that and it doesn't cost you anything. And then your ideas around the world and everything that you are doing and thinking about can be magnified and amplified infinitely, basically. And that's one of the very few things that requires no technical expertise and very little startup cost that is out there right now. So probably uh, overlooked, but definitely go out and do it. So I have to ask, having led this podcast for the last year in your own dream world is there any one person who you would want to interview more than anyone else in the world and why you know i don't have one person anymore actually i would have had one maybe last year when things were normal (laughs) but today with everything that's going on i want to talk to everyone i think i want to do what joe did (laughs) with the christmas episode i just want people to walk in and i want them to tell me exactly what they're feeling in five minutes because everybody is 
feeling so many things. If you're on social media, like people are angry, people are passionate, people are actually taking a stand for what they believe in. And I think that's why more than ever right now, the voice of the common man or woman is the most important and it counts the most. So Plus think, podcasting is a party, right? So exactly, you want as many people exactly. as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't interview celebrity in this year. It would be people like us. For me, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I've spent a lot of hours racking up different hosts and thought leaders, people with a lot of opinions, uh, interviewers, top performers in that field. And I must say, I think one of the people who is always on the side of the questions, but never really on the other side, is Joe Rogan, right? And he's probably one of the most influential media personalities in the world right now, if not the most influential. And he pumps out podcasts at an incredible rate. And it's he's so prolific. And I would love to just sit with him for, you know, he his interviews go off and go on for three hours. I have a three-hour <laughs> podcast interview with Joe Rogan to get him on the other side of the mic and to ask him what his key learnings have been through, you know, 1,500 podcast episodes with some incredible guests. I think he's probably one of the most interesting people in the world because of that and the amount of people he sits opposite and keeps an open mind. So he's really a powerhouse in podcasting and I would love to sit down with him because it would be a, probably a three and a half hour conversation as well and really get into, get into who is Joe Rogan. Yeah, and plus you get the inside scoop. Yeah, (laughs) if you're out there, Joe, we want the inside scoop on uh, Fear Factor. We're still waiting. (laughs) I wanted to turn over the hosting back to you two and see if maybe you guys have a couple questions for Erin and I. All right, I have a question. As MBA students going into your second year in this crazy, crazy time, what are some of the things that you're doing to deal with? the after effects of the pandemic and to make sure that you make most of your time at Rodman in the next year? That's a good one. Erin, do you have anything for that? (laughs) That is a good one. Well, I think in the early onset of the pandemic, when everyone was quarantined and hanging out at home, it was very easy to either fall into a depression and not do anything. And then there was also on the other side, you could become very motivated to do something. And I kind of fell in the middle where I was just trying to survive and make it through. So listening to a lot of podcasts, um, including this one, and just trying to expand my mind a little bit more. So I kind of decided to deal with it by, you know, listening to other people who have experiences outside of mine. And I think that translates very nicely into being in the MBA because you're meeting all these people from different backgrounds. Your professors have different experiences and a lot of expertise. And I think I would like to transfer that into when we get to see each other in person again, just continue asking questions and making sure that you're broadening your mind. So I think in light of being the new host of the podcast, just wanting to reach out and making sure we're asking these thoughtful questions of each other so that we're learning continually and growing. Yeah, I would say that COVID-19 has really provided a unique opportunity to connect with people in a new way. Obviously, most of the things have been pretty bad about it. I think, you know, uh, being disconnected from the Rockman community physically hasn't been a good thing by any means, but it's also enabled us to create a stronger online community. I see people posting stuff on our 
WhatsApp group like every single day still. We have these uh, amazing meetups and online parties that the students are leading. And in addition to that, I think it's been much easier in my internship this summer to reach out to people who otherwise I probably wouldn't have been able to. I'm working at Microsoft this summer and normally being just the humongous corporation that it is, it's really hard to reach out to people who are super far away. But because of COVID-19, everyone's working from home. Everyone is just very available. And so it's not at all weird to book a meeting with a high up, you know, somewhere in the United States or in, you know, Japan or Korea, you know, France, wherever. And so I think my internship has become a lot more international and I've been able to really capitalize on that in terms of networking. And I think that has been maybe one of the uh, better things to at least to come out of all this. Yeah, I think video calls in themselves or video coffee chats have become more normal now as well. For sure, yeah. I think you may have felt awkward doing that, which is, hey, I'm going to Skype you for an hour or Zoom, Teams, anything like this. And we're going to sit and I'm going to take an hour out of your day or half an hour of your day, stare at a laptop screen when you could be in meetings or doing anything else. But now that's become a normal part of our lives. It's much easier to, yeah, to your point, reach out. And I think that is something that I hope lives on post COVID is that people are willing to jump on and jump on a call, reach out. And I think one of the other things is getting in touch with friends that are further away. So for me as well, friends back home in the UK or friends from when I went to college in the US, Zoom calls more regularly, which before it would be maybe a FaceTime once every six months, or I see people when I go home or visit them. Now you're able to see people way more often and have conversations and catch up more frequently because it's it's just a normal thing to do now. And I think that I really do the hope that that is one of the nice things that's left behind in COVID when we look back and this is sort of the butt of a joke. Well, did you have any other questions for us? I do. My first question is, what made you two want to be the hosts of the Rodman podcast? I can speak to that one. I actually had a radio show back in college for three years called Cooking with Sound. And I caught the radio bug pretty early when I was about 19. And, you know, I just fell in love with it. I first got a 2 a.m. night show and it was broadcast from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. to the UC Davis community in California. And from there, I got bumped up as time slot and got bumped up again. And pretty soon I was on at 3 p.m. Prime time. Prime time. (laughs) (laughs) And so that was a lot of fun, getting to pick music, interview guests, and just fall in love with the medium. And so podcasting is really just the same thing, I think. You know, it's, it's another way of connecting with large audiences. And I just love how it's democratized, too, because anybody can do this. You don't need to have an existing relationship with a a radio station to do it. Anyway, so when I heard that the podcasting position was open, I was like, here's a way for me to connect my personal interests with my professional ones. I also am interested in working in the entertainment and media industry. So it was kind of the perfect podcast for me. Cool. Yeah, I guess similarly to Ben, it was just combining personal and professional interests. I kind of took a slightly different route, but I was in broadcast media for a little while back in the States. I did TV production for a little bit, and then I did sports radio for a little bit and on the production side. So getting to be kind of in the front part of the actual medium is interesting, but it's been really fun to kind of put down my experiences through the school and being able to leave some sort of legacy from Rotman while also getting to produce something is 
really exciting. So that was my motivation to doing the podcast. And you did mention legacy there, so I will follow up with what legacy do you hope to leave with the Rotman podcast? So I was thinking about this and, you know, you just want to make sure that you're putting something good out into the world. And if I can share my experiences, my advice with people, you know, to reach a wider audience, then I think as long as that's a positive thing and a positive impact that I'm making on them, then that's the legacy that I want to leave. I just want the podcast to be able to serve a purpose for our listeners and to feel like they're getting some value out of it. So we scheduled a couple different podcasts coming up pretty soon that I'm excited about that I think will provide value to some of the students who are considering Rotman and are on the fence about it and to help address some of the admissions concerns around that. Also just painting a more accurate picture of the student body life and the types of connections that Rotman has with the Toronto community and making sure that everybody out there in the world understands what kind of value you can get by having the Rotman experience. Cool. I guess we could actually end it with some rapid fire questions. Uh, oh boy. From, so you get the rapid fire to give to our guests. Do you remember anything? Didn't tell us about this, huh? <laughs> okay. So I'll start with what's the best place to grab a bite on campus? On campus. Uh, mm. best place? The only place <laughs> I ever go is across the street to Robarts to either get one of those taco bowls or just the Starbucks that's right across the street. What's your favorite way to kill 30 minutes between classes? Ooh, I'd say for me, I would probably go up to the tower across the street in the library and just like look out at the, the nice views of the campus and just hang out in some like floor around like a bunch of like maps or books that, I don't know. I've actually fun. never been up there. You've never been there? No. I always go up to Miltaris. <laughs> well, you got to check out Robarts before you leave campus today. This is this is your last chance. <laughs> How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I guess similarly, it would be in this building in Rotman, the fifth floor. There's a nice uh, patio outside. So if it's a nice sunny day, and even if it's not sunny, there's like an awning that you can sit under. So just look out over the city. It does have a spectacular view. It does. Where is the best place within a 15-minute walk of campus to get a drink? Crafty Coyote on Bloor, <laughs> and I think Borden is the cross street. So you want to go west on Bloor Street from Rotman. That's where I like to go. Nice. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not classy enough, but the just LCBO. <laughs> <laughs> well, LCBO has been trending this year for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's another COVID effect, I think. <laughs> Favorite class from first year? I really love doing microeconomics with Husky, Professor Husky. And I'm not sure if it's because I have experience with microeconomics or because Husky is a great professor, but just the two together were the best part for me. I also really loved that class, by the way. I, you kind of stole mine. Um, oh, man. Sorry. Professor Husky, if you're out there listening, we love you. Um, <laughs> please come on the podcast. Yes, please come on the podcast. I think Professor Wallad's economics class was also amazing. I think I probably got the most value out of uh, Mara Letterman's class for strategy and just being able to apply some of the uh, learnings from that class to my internship this summer has just been really valuable. And those intense in-class discussions were uh, really fun. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, like the strategy classes here at Rotman are amazing. I highly recommend them. I guess I'm going to stay on that food and drink theme here. What's your favorite <laughs> restaurant in Toronto? And as people from out town, I'd be really curious to get both your answers. Favorite restaurant? Do you have one off the top of your head? <laughs> There's a couple. 
I, I like to go to, to all the, the different restaurants around town. That's the great thing about Toronto. You can't pick a favorite restaurant here because they it's like every single one is amazing and they have just like more than any city on earth and more diversity too. Some types of food I'd never even knew existed before I moved here. Absolutely. Okay, I have two that came up to my mind. So the first is Quetzal, which is on College Street, I think, and it's this like Mexican Peruvian restaurant. Nice. And so they specialize in different types of ceviche, which was amazing. I'm going to write this down. Yeah. <laughs> the other one is Momofuku, which is um, a ramen place on, I think, University or something. I'm, I'm not sure. It's like more downtown, but it's a ramen spot. So I really like that one as well. Okay. I'm going to ask you Joe's favorite question, which he asked every guest on season one. What's a bad piece of advice that you often hear? I would say, speaking as, a, by the way, a little background on Aaron and I, we're, we both happen to be Americans in Canada relatively uncommon actually I think for the most part and uh, it's funny that we both ended up together on this podcast but I would say that a lot of the time many people who are considering getting an MBA they say like you know stick with the United States U.S. experience is like all about business it's going to be your best bet and the best opportunities I think nothing could be further from the truth I think the best opportunities earlier in your career are going to be in a place like Toronto because it has such a diversity of people businesses and just a lot of starting level opportunities for an MBA if you try and do this in Los Angeles or New York there are plenty of opportunities sure maybe for later on in your career I think that the path straight from your MBA to a job is going to be easier in a place like Rotman than it would be in maybe in some major U.S. cities that have comparable MBA programs. Yeah, I really agree with that. I kind of want to add a little bit more to it as well, especially now where we were saying earlier, because of COVID, it's easier to get in touch with people from all around the world. So, you know, networking in your local MBA area is not necessarily, I guess, required anymore. I mean, it might be ideal, more ideal maybe, but it's easier to just jump on the phone with people. So if you're, for me at least, I wanted to come to Toronto because it was a very cool city, diverse, eclectic, great school reputation, amazing faculty. And who knows if I want to go back to the West Coast of the U.S., which is where I'm originally from. So, you know, I can make this my own. It doesn't have to be, you know, I don't have to stay in Seattle to, like, get that experience. I can be in Toronto, and then who knows what happens after that. So... You don't have to be in a certain spot just to get that full experience after graduating from the MBA. Good answers. We are in the MBA program. It is a large investment for all of us here. But what is the best investment you've ever made? And it doesn't have to be in money. It could be in time, effort, energy. What's the best investment you've ever made? Buying Apple at $5 a share in 1983. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wish. I don't know. In terms of my... Career development, I think, just like spending the extra time to really find out what it was that I wanted to do before I went to my MBA and not going to the MBA program as a way of figuring out what I wanted to do. I think that a lot of people do go into an MBA because they maybe know that they're not super happy where they currently are, but they want to figure out an, a new path forward. But I do think that it's better if you can decide beforehand. It does take some, some thought, and it does take uh, investing a little bit of time in that. An investment in self-reflection. 
And with that, I think we officially pass on the baton. So all the best. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for starting this podcast. We will do our very best to, to be worthy. <laughs> Onwards and upwards. Thank you for listening to the Rotman Podcast, powered by the Entertainment and Media Association. Be sure to follow us at EMA underscore Rotman for updates on the latest in the club and for all our upcoming episodes.